0: Let's give that to the Lord tonight. Are you glad to be in the house of God tonight? Do you feel blessed? Has God been good to you? Thank you, Brother Holmes, for the kind invitation to be here. love and appreciate this great man and his family, Brother Nathan Holmes, a friend of mine that we've made acquaintances over the last couple of years. Honored to be here with them tonight. <clears throat> I'm looking forward to the rest of this meeting. <laughs> Have you come with an expectancy? Beautiful, beautiful facilities. Never been here for service. Was here to see it last year when we were with Brother and Sister Blakely. If my preaching gets boring, just look around and enjoy this beautiful building. It'll it'll keep you occupied for a while. Glad to have my wife and my little boy with us tonight. And I believe we still serve a miracle-working God. We have to learn to allow God to work miraculously however He deems fit. My wife and I had complications with having children. But God worked a miracle, and we've got a little baby from the country of Belize, and God has been good. Don't even bother asking me if I could love one of my own anymore. He's mine. He's mine so I love my family tonight glad to have some young folks with us from our church thank God for my pastor how many still believe you got to have a pastor in your life not just a figurehead not just a figurehead but a pastor You can't have a pastor if you have secret places in your life that you won't let him go. I'm glad I got a man of God in my life that I trust enough that he can walk into any corner, cavity, and the door is open. I want to be saved. I don't know about you, but I want to be saved more than anything else. There's no price too high no price too high without any further ado we'll go to the word of God Matthew the 13th chapter beginning at verse number 24 looking forward to the ministry of all of the preachers that are coming behind give honor to them I want the Holy Ghost to help us tonight. You help me preach for a few moments tonight. I know it's the first night, but I still believe that the Holy Ghost could help us. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Another parable beginning at verse number 24. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? He said unto them, An enemy hath done this. And the servants said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together. Everybody say, Until the harvest. And in the time of harvest I will say to the reapers gather ye together first the tares. He has an order of preference. Gather together ye first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them but gather the wheat into my barn. Drawing special attention to The 29th verse, his response to their questioning about why there was tares in the field and then their eagerness to go take care of the tares was this. Just don't get too eager in taking care of the tares lest ye root up the wheat with them. Let both grow together. Until the harvest. And at? Everybody say, the time of harvest. Anybody believe with me tonight that it's harvest time? At the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather you together first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Would you pray together with me right now? God, we love you. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. God bless you. You may be seated. Everyone has their idea, stereotype, mindset of what you'll hear at a conference. I trust you won't be disappointed tonight, but I want to just try to obey the Holy Ghost for a few moments tonight. I'd like to be able to stand here and tell you that all is well and that we never face trials and we never face disappointments. And I'd love to be able to tell you that once you make up your mind to serve God that everything's going to go okay. I'd love to tell you that as long as you preach the truth that you'll never experience trials and tribulations. It'd be a pretty good guarantee if I could tell you that. This building, as massive as it is, wouldn't be able to hold the crowd if I could keep up a guarantee such as that. But the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Trials happen to us all. Struggles happen to us all. Anybody ever questioned before? That wasn't a trick question. Have you ever asked God why before? I didn't say, did you ever question God in a questioning way, but have you ever asked Him a question? There is a difference between questioning and asking a question. Job asked questions. His wife questioned God. But I've asked God questions before, even recently. Sometimes, you know, I don't know why God chose preaching to be the means of communication of salvation and and the means of... Of, of, of reaching out to the lost. But preaching is an amazing thing, and sometimes when preaching goes forth, you preach from a reflective standpoint. You preach pulling back on principles of things that you've gone through, and you try to gain strength. There's other times you preach. You preach prophetically. You preach in advance. Isaiah and Ezekiel and Jeremiah and the prophets and And you've heard your own pastor do it. And and there is a setting forth of direction. Then there are other times that you preach from the trenches, so to speak. You preach from where you're living. You preach from where you're bleeding. You preach from where you're hurting. And a lot of times it's those words that you get. I don't know. I'm already, I'm already into preaching, so if you're waiting for me to warm up, then just... We only got one shot at it. Hey, it's those words that you get while you're bleeding and hurting and begging God for answers that sometimes are the most powerful words you'll ever get. Hey, Paul preached prophetically. He said, don't let the ship leave the harbor. Don't let it leave the harbor. I know it looks good right now, but you better stay in the harbor. And they didn't hear what he said. So so then he had to start switching from preaching prophetically to preaching present tense in the midst of a storm. He didn't walk out into the middle of that ship and go, oh, it's a clear blue day. Isn't Jesus wonderful? No, he pitched and heaved his way till he grabbed a hold of something that he could stand there long enough and say, I just want you to know something in the night last night. I had an angel stand by me, and I want you to know that if you want to make it, you can make it, but you got to stick with the ship. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I don't know who I'm preaching to tonight. I do know I'm preaching to myself. I'm preaching present tense. And I'm not going to get into a lot of details, but our family's been through hell in the last two weeks. Bleeding, you want to believe it. But determined, you want to believe it. And maybe preachers aren't supposed to be this transparent. But I want to tell you, preachers need words from God too. Preachers need direction too. Preachers hurt too preachers cry too preachers have down times too am I talking about walking away? no do I love the message? yes am I going to be here a hundred years from now God tarries and I can live that long? you want to believe it but that doesn't change the fact that we go through hell and you and I have got to make up our mind. And it's those moments that we walk to the pulpit, preachers. Or it's those moments as a leader of the home that when it's pitching and heaving and tossing and turning and you don't know which direction to go. You can pull your face out of the carpet. And when God's talked to you, you may know not how it's going to work out. But you'll know if you can hang on to that ship. Now listen. This isn't a poor me. Just, just, just hear me out. I'm just setting without me. You need to understand that good things happen to bad people. I didn't say that wrong. I meant to say it that way. Good things happen to wicked people. Bad things happen to good people. Can we just talk and be honest? Have you ever reached back and scratched your head and said, Now, they're not believing the message. They're compromising on everything. They're hypocrites. They're walking away from everything. When are you going to pull the plug on this, God? I don't know where Sister Weeks is, but it's in those moments that you just hold on. You hold on to prayer and you hold on to faith and you hold on to the words that God's given you. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. And there's those times that you look back and you wonder, God, when are you going to put the balance in the scales and when are you going to, when are you going to reckon everything? When are you going to balance everything out? Hey, we're not the first ones to feel this way. David said, I got looking around and I don't know who he was looking at, but I know what kind of people they were. He said, I looked around and I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Not of the righteous, but I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And it messed with my mind to the place that the sure footing that at one time I was pretty solid in it, it began to get shaky. And I thought that my foot had well nigh slipped. And before I made any stupid decisions, I said, One more time, I got to get back to the ark. I got to get back to the ship. I got to get back to that place where I can get my mind straightened back out. And when I got to the sanctuary and I sat down on pews and began to worship, hallelujah, hallelujah. And I began to worship God and I began to feel the presence of of the Holy Ghost all of a sudden it started to make a whole lot more sense (laughs) hallelujah when I sat down and put the prosperity of the wicked on one side of the scale and I put the eternal weight of glory of the righteous on the other side of the scale I didn't walk away with, 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 with a short-term answer to the solution. But I knew that if I hang on long enough, at the very best, the prosperity of the wicked is only going to last so long. There is coming a, a reckoning day. You hear me, brother? You hear me, sister? There's coming a reckoning day there's coming a reckoning day and it's not just at the end of the journey and it'll be at the end of the journey but to everything there is a time and to everything there is a season under the heavens too it's not just at the end of the trip brother go but there's going to be some under the heavens reckoning goat. There's going to be some under the heavens reckoning that transpires. Job didn't know when he pulled his feet out of bed that next morning and swung around and laid him on that floor. He didn't know he'd been the topic of another meeting. In another realm. he wasn't even asked to be there but he was the topic of discussion what do you think about Job they weren't calling into question the inconsistencies of his life he was a righteous man bad things happen to good people and somewhere in the halls of another dimension a divine decree rang forth you can touch him i got enough faith. Have you ever wondered why God had so much faith in you? All right, God, lighten up a bit. He said, Job, you're going to be on trial. Job said, I don't know a lot of things. I don't know why I'm going through all of this. It's easy for us to look at Job's life because we know the end of the story. He lived it verse by verse, page by page. It's like the one boy said about the tornado. He said, I'd enjoyed it a whole lot more if I'd have known I was going to make it. If I'd have known, if you can secure the fact that I'm going to pull through this, then it won't bother me. But th- those are the questions that haunt you. Is this going to, is this one going to, here's a Canadian term for you, snow you under. Or am I going to be able to still be here? And somewhere, child of God, you got to make up in your mind. It doesn't matter what comes and it doesn't matter what goes. I'm still going to be here. It doesn't matter who serves God and who doesn't serve God. I'm still going to be here. It doesn't matter what my pastor preaches, I'm still going to be here. Hey, does anybody have that kind of attitude tonight? Are you still going to be here? If we roll the clock ahead another year when we come back to meet again, will your face still be here? Hallelujah. All of that to get to the point tonight that, that, that we ask questions and we wonder why. God, how long are you going to look at it? How, how long are you going to overlook it? And, 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 and we, can, we can misinterpret the late arrival of God's judgment according to our time clock. And we can look at that and begin to misinterpret. Well, if you're not coming when I want you to, will you come at all? May, just, just, just maybe you're going to leave me here to fight this one all by myself. You know what? You better get back to church. Never underestimate the power of one Holy Ghost service. I know that this is opening night, but this could be the night for somebody. So, trying to move along as, as going through things and, and the stuff that we're going through is not unique to us. Everybody has their issues. Everybody has their struggles. It's not a poor me party and a pity party. That's not what I'm here about. But I am here to tell you that you've got to understand some things if you're still going to be here. If you want to secure your position with the five wise and not the five foolish, you've got to make some decisions. You've got to to come to, to a center point where you say, everything from here don't matter Everything that way doesn't matter. I've got one thing on my mind, and that's I'm going to walk streets of gold one day. So praying and asking God for direction, not only for myself, but for our church. I said, God, how can we secure... The fact that we're going to make it. Before all the skeptics run to me looking for eternal security, that's not what I was after. But I want to be here. I I want to make it. I want to make it. So somehow I've got to believe if we can tap into a dimension above how we're looking at things. We can see things from His perspective that'll have to make a difference. I've got every confidence that if I can learn to see things how He sees them. So... We gotta, if there's anything we need in this day, is we need to understand the, the seriousness of the times that we're living in. We need to understand the times. Don't, 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 whatever you do, get to the place where, like the wise man Solomon said, he said, because judgment against an evil thing was not executed speedily then people all of a sudden got it in their mind. Well, if God don't show up quick, then he won't show up at all. And I can just go ahead and live how I want to live. But you hear me and hear me well. You can't just live how you want to live. There is a reckoning day that's coming. There is a season that's coming. That there will be a balance put into the equation. And let me talk to those of you that have the determination to make it. Go ahead and hold on. Hey, he said, he he said, he said in Habakkuk, he said, I was going to run and read it. Just, just trust me that it's there. Though, though the vision, the vision. It's coming. It's on a time clock. It's not on yours and it's not on mine. It has a foreordained moment on God's timeline. And the vision is walking towards the interception. So how God looks at the vision is it's coming just right on time. But the problem is I'm down here. And I'm looking up at the vision. And I'm saying, okay, come on. You said you hated sin. You said you hated compromise. You said you hated hypocrisy. Let's do it. That's why I'm not God. (laughs) Let's do it. But he said, though the vision tarries... You know what he's doing? He's flopping back and forth between two different perspectives there. Not though the vision tarry from his point of view, but though the vision from your perspective is not coming when you think it should be there. Hold on! Because it's not going to show up one moment late or one moment early, but it'll show up right on time. So hear me tonight when I tell you, if we have ever needed saints of God, men of God, young people that understand the times, it's now. David, I see David, and they're all coming, they're amassing the troops are coming, pledging loyalty to him. I said, Boy, I'm on your side, David. Judah, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and they're all bringing men. David, we're with you. David, we're on your side. They come running into Ziglag 340,000 men. The Bible says it was a host of people. But there was one particular small group of men. Out of the 340,000, it was a pretty small number. There was only 200 of them. But the Bible says it was the men of Issachar. They weren't just your average men. The Bible says they were men that understood the times. And then it went on to say that they knew what Israel ought to do. And then it goes on to say, all the other brethren were commanded by these 200 men. Half of 1% of the overall group of men were controlled by 200 men. Out of the 340,000 that remained. They were all trained in warfare. The Bible says they were experts in battle. They had the instrumentation of warfare. They were mighty men of valor. Their hearts were right. Oh, hear me. I'm going somewhere tonight. Their hearts were right. They were 100% behind the message They'd draw blood for the message. They'd fight to the bitter end to defend David. They weren't just casual warriors. You hear me? The Bible says that they were ambidextrous. They could could fight with the left hand or they could fight with the right hand. They were the kind of men that you wanted in your corner when you were in a struggle. They were good men. There was nothing wrong with those men. But they still needed somebody. Out of those 340,000, there were only 200 men that knew what Israel ought to do. Only half of 1% knew what Israel should do. Do you know how you know what Israel should do? It's impossible to know what Israel should do if you don't understand the times. You can be willing to fight. You can be willing to draw blood. You can be an expert in warfare. But unless you know and understand the times... Oh, hallelujah. Can I just go ahead and take my liberty here just for a minute? I submit myself to these elders that are here. I'm a young man, but I'm troubled about some things. I'm troubled about some things, Brother Holmes and our contemporaries. We know the message. We can cross-reference the scriptures. And if we're not careful preaching, hey, if I preached a doctrine message tonight, I could have every one of you rip-roaring and snorting. Now they're going to start throwing eggs at me because you don't think I believe the message. I be- I'm one God from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. I believe it. But we've got young men that can cross-reference it and they'll fight for it. And I honor that. But I just wonder, do they know the times or not? Do they really know where the apostolic movement is right now? Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. Do they really understand the struggles that the apostolic movement's facing right now? Not just over doctrine, but there's a lot of issues that we've got to get resolved. We need to know what Israel ought to do. We need to know what Israel ought to do. We're walking into areas where you can't run back to a book in in, in the Bible and open it up and find out where it says don't chat. Ooh, I just touched something there. We can't run to the Bible and find out where we can draw safe boundary lines for how to use the internet. That doesn't deny that Israel still needs to know what to do. Israel still needs to know. Hey, I can remember being raised and my daddy preaching. And I love him with everything that's in me. But he'd preach. You don't need to be calling another, another man's wife. Oh, that's old school. So now we'll text her instead. And you can sit there with your sanctified self if you want to. We're dealing with marriages breaking up in Israel. You hear me? We're dealing with marriages busting up in Israel. Somebody needs to know more. That, please understand, I love the message, but somebody's going to know more than just Acts 2.38 and John 3.5. Somebody has got to know where to draw the lines and say, it's safe here. Israel still needs to know what to do. Oh yeah, it does. Hey, I say this with all due respect. I love and appreciate the stand that our forefathers took against television. But in the context of today, that was a pretty easy decision. Turn it off. Unplug it. Listen, if your pastor preaches something, I'm not here to set the standard. I'm just here to tell you, Israel needs to know what to do. And I'm worried about me, and I'm worried about men my age that are starting to take over churches. I'm wondering, do we really know what to do? Do we really know what to do? Yes, I can teach a home Bible study. Yes. Yes, I know this message. I love it. I breathe it. I eat it. But that's not the issue on a lot of fronts. When you got young people that can take their little cell phone to bed with them. Click, send. Well, you can all sit there like you're sanctified, but ask your young people what they're doing. Ask your young people what they're doing. Up, up. They call it sexting, taking pictures of yourself that are inappropriate, and sending it to the other party. Somebody has got to know what Israel needs to do. If you've got a man of God in your life that knows what Israel needs to do, you better thank God right now. Your children are depending on a man of God that knows what Israel needs to do. Please, I hope you understand me. This is not hot button topic, but it is hot button topic because that's what we're dealing with in our churches. That's what we're dealing with in our churches. So it used to be we don't watch TV, but now if it's on the computer, it's okay. I got a question to ask you, baby. I got a question to ask you. If you're drinking alcohol out of a bottle or a can or a bag, what difference does it make? Israel still needs to know what to do. Israel needs to know what to do when there's men again of our contemporaries, Brother Holmes, that casually disregard the pastor in their life. Please, no disrespect, but that's just the old man. That ain't just the old man, you hear me? That's the man that's going to represent my soul to God. Uh, We need to understand the times. What time is it? It's harvest time. That's what time it is. It's harvest time. It's harvest time. Everybody say "It's it's harvest time. It's harvest time. It's harvest time. It's harvest time, baby. It's harvest time. It's harvest time. It's harvest time. It was the children of Issachar that had the responsibility. That was back before calendars and iPhones and and Mobile Me and all this stuff that keeps us all organized and everything. That was before all of that. You had to have somebody that watched the times. And the children of Issachar didn't just do that by studying astrology. They did gauge off of the sun and the moon because they had to they couldn't look and say what time it was and it was the children of Issachar that kept track of when God's people were supposed to be going to the feast all the different feasts that would happen it would be the children of Issachar that said hey it's the feast of weeks Prepare yourself, come to the mountain. Sanctify yourself through prayerful observation. They never missed. Everybody that knew how to fight hinged upon those who knew how to tell the time. Everybody that had the instrumentation of warfare hinged on those that could tell the time. What are we supposed to do? Wait. What are we supposed to do? Go. 340,000 people waited for the word from 200 men. I am not naive enough to know that everybody in the apostolic movement knows how to tell the time. They don't. But there are still some young men, I've got to believe, there's a nucleus of young men that still know how to get in the face of God and say, God, I need some answers. There's something new coming down the pipe and I don't know what to do and some men that can stagger to a pulpit in the midst of a storm and say, God, talked to me last night. And if you want to make it, if you want to make it, you'll shut that cell phone off. Just for the record, I got a cell phone. I'm not preaching against cell phone. But if that's your open door, you better get rid of it. That's a cheap price to pay. You hear me? I have preached and preached and reached. And even in the last couple weeks, some people that I love dearly have made some stupid decisions to walk out on their families and walk away from God. And it all started right here. It's right here. And when someone brings me a device and I respond back and they think it's their secret lever and they start pouring it on me. Well, well, let's just quote Acts 2.38. No, that's not going to cut it. You you, got to you got to deal with that devil, Brother Coon. Well, I don't, I've got to have it for my business. You can't have it for your soul's sake. And while we're on it, hear me. Young people, listen to me right now. Don't hold the man of God hostage by saying, well, this one here can do it and I can't. Or in this church they can do it, but in that church they can't. You trust the time-telling ability of the man God put in your life. Oh, I'm taking too long. Let me move on. These are some things... That Israel needs to know what to do. There's a bunch of people that will fight at the drop of a hat if we had some men that would say, this is what we got to do. We can't blame this on the people. We can't blame this on the church. Don't go down the sissified route that you preach it and nobody does it there are some men that if they walk to their pulpit and say thus saith the word of god there's a bunch of folks in some pews that would stand up and say preacher preach it i'm with you i'm 100 percent behind you you can't draw the line Is there anybody here like that tonight? There's no such thing as hard preaching. There's no such thing as hard preaching. Not to somebody that wants to be saved. At the very best, hard preaching is still softer than the judgment of God. you hear me? preacher, preach to me. Tell me what time it is. Tell me what time it is. I want my kids saved. I want my family saved. Help me make it. I want to make it. If we're going to make it, it's going to be because we can tell time. What is this coming into my church? Is it a trend or is it just another apostolic cycle? Help me. What time is it? Is it just some goofy style or is the enemy sewing while we're sleeping? Are we going to wake up one day and all of a sudden that the, find out that the wheat field is full of tears? The problem is, is we never truly will know until harvest time. Everybody say harvest time. Oh, God. harvest time. That's not a down time, baby. That's an exciting time. Harvest time. Harvest time. 2010's harvest time. If we're not careful, we'll get to the place where we detest the harvest. Because we're scared of what it will reveal that's in the field. Bible says that a man went forth to sow in his field and I'm, I'm coming to a close here as quick as I can but the man went to sow in his field and the Bible says he sowed good seed there was nothing wrong with his seed he sowed it with great anticipation of a reaping a harvest brother Adams he knew it was coming he had faith in the seed he knew it was going to produce. He just had all the faith in the world that the field would produce in response to the seed that it received. But it takes time. You can't walk away from a field that you just sown in and know of a surety what it's going to produce. It takes time. And you've got to understand the times. Time passed and the good man went out one day and all of a sudden the servants were in the field and they looked at him and they said, we got a problem. This has sprung up into a blade. Now there's some blossoms on this thing and I can tell by what I'm looking at that it's not all wheat in the field. And the temptation, hear me saints of God, the temptation... When you start looking around and seeing the fruit of tares in a church. I don't know your church, but I know there's tares there. There is in my church. There was in Jesus's too. There's tares in the field. What are we going to do? The knee-jerk reaction is to attack the seed. I thought, you read it, we read it in our text, I thought you sowed good seed. If you sowed good seed, why? Why are there tares in the field? I hate the devil, you hear me? I hate the devil. And I hate the fact that whenever somebody decides to walk out on God or whenever some sorry young preacher decides to compromise that the devil and all of his imps and critics points his finger back at the men of God that blazed the trail ahead of us and tries to blame the quality of the seed on the fact that there's tares in the field. But you hear me when I tell you there was nothing wrong with the man and there was nothing wrong with the seed. How can you say it? of a shorty. Read it a little bit later. He said, who? The disciples asked him, who is the son? Of, who, is, who is the guy that was sowing the seed? And what was the seed? He said, the seed was the word of God. And the man was the son of man. It don't get any better than that. That's right. That's right. And if he had tares in his field. I'm going to have tears in mine. But the devil, these men of God sitting here have been through this. The devil tries to jump on a man of God's back when somebody decides to walk out on God. Or somebody you've invested time in decides to make a stupid decision and walk away from it all. But I've come to tell you preacher, there's nothing wrong with the seed you're preaching. preaching, what you're preaching. Get back in that pulpit and preach it as strong as you ever preached it. Get back in that prayer room and say, God, let me know what time it is. And somebody said, hurrying along, somebody said, hey, 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 Mr. Sower. Where'd that seed come from? Where'd that tear come from? And he quickly responded, I want to tell you, I'm not the only man that sows seed. An enemy has done this. And he snuck in while men slept. While men slept. There's more than one man sowing seed." And it's up to you and I to determine which one we're going to respond to. And so, the knee jerk reaction is this My God, we got problems in the church. We better take care of it. Please, I'm not asking or acting like I got the answers. I haven't even pastored. But I do know this, you better know what time it is before you deal with something. And the man said, they said to him, they said, well, if we got tears in the field, preacher, I'll help you take care of it. We'll run out there and rip them up. He said, oh, no, hold on just a minute. It's not time yet. It's not time yet. What do you mean? It's it's, it's long enough that we can identify that it's not wheat. We can identify that it's a terror. Don't you think we should take care of it? He said, oh, no. Keep your hands off of it. Until the time of harvest. Let them both grow together for a little while. Because if you handle it too prematurely you'll destroy the work of a lot of good seed that went forth and is just starting to take good hold. But don't be disheartened and don't be downcast and don't be downtrodden when you see the hypocrite coming to church waving the hands and leaving and acting however they want to act. You keep serving God Your preacher is not missing it. But he's walking to the beat of a different drummer. And while you're scratching your head and wondering when God's going to show up and take care of business, the vision's inching closer and closer to a predetermined divine destiny. And when harvest time, everybody say harvest time, When harvest time shows up, a lot of things are revealed. And the same sickle that reached out and took care of the tear pulled back, and the same man went out and started harvesting wheat. Don't be so scared of the harvest. Or what it will reveal in you or what it will reveal in your church but just go ahead and keep serving God and keep loving God and keep trusting the man of God because just now harvest time is coming and a lot of stuff is revealed at harvest time A lot of stuff is revealed at harvest time. Hey, I see two brothers and they're squabbling. Hey, whose worship is God going to accept anyway? Who? Can I bring this? That's a whole other topic for another night. But they said, well, it's got to be grain. No, it's going to be a blood sacrifice. They squabbled back and forth. And the Bible says, at the time of harvest, Cain made his way in and said, God, you're going to accept this whether you want it or not. But God said, I... I I could have taken that a while ago, but it's harvest time now. And so I stood in my pulpit a week ago. And I said to the church, what are we going to do? There's some that have decided they're going to walk out. Maybe nobody else's church has ever had that. There's some that's just going to walk out. What am I going to do? It's harvest time. Can I be so scared of the tares that I forget the wheat? Are we going to so stay so focused on everybody that's walking away that we forget that it is harvest time? Are we going to stay so focused on everybody that's going the emergent church route that we say, well, we're not going to stick with the wheat? No, 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 no. There's a bunch of wheat that's waiting to be harvested. That's got nothing to do with the tares. It's been growing the whole time the hypocrites were growing. It's been growing the whole time the foolish virgins have been running around and burning their oil. It's still harvest time. What are you going to do? Do you know what I'm... You know what i'm going to do i'm going to stand like the children of issachar and i'm going to start calling out to the people in my church harvest time get ready for the feast of harvest let me read you something real quick here it was mandated they can come to the music it was mandated in the old testament in deuteronomy that at least once a year you had a feast of harvest Now, the Feast of Harvest, we've talked about it for the last 45 minutes, has some sweet things, but it also has some bitter things. So it depends on what you focus on, whether it's going to be a celebration. And this is what they said. Deuteronomy 16, count off seven weeks from when you first begin to cut the grain at the time of harvest. Then celebrate! What do you mean celebrate? We just found out there's a bunch of tares in the field. That's not what we're looking for. We're looking for the wheat. Hey, we'll deal with sin. Don't worry about it. I said, all right. Celebrate the festival of harvest to honor the Lord your God. I want to know if anybody's ready to do this right here. Bring him a voluntary offering in proportion to the blessings you have received from him. So this is what they're going to do. you are going to come. you are going to come. Come here, bubby. Come help dad. Come here. oh God we've got to keep this alive if God tarries you hear me what I focus on will become what he focuses on oh Jaron everybody's going to emergent church everybody's going goofy everybody's a hypocrite Everybody's walking out. Come on. All right, let's celebrate. No. No. He said, I'll tell you what we're supposed to do. You're supposed to bring a voluntary. Everybody say voluntary. I'll say it again. A voluntary offering. In proportion to the blessings that God's given you. This is a time, here's the word again, to celebrate. So you know, we're just going to get together at at Camp Meeting in Arkansas. I'm going to go, oh God, somebody else left. Oh God, the tears. No, no. 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 Have people left? Yes. Have there been tears? In everybody's field, there's tears. What are you going to do at a time? We're going to celebrate before the Lord your God at the designated place of worship that he will choose for his name to be honored. Here we go. Celebrate with your sons and your daughters. Your male and female servants, the Levites from your town, the foreigners, the orphans, the widows who live amongst you. What's that? It's harvest time. Sharon? I know some people have walked out on God. I know, buddy, that there's people compromising this message. But let me tell you how good God's been to me. That's all the tears burning, baby. That's the stuff we have to take care of because there's tears in everybody's field. But baby, you hold on to something. There's a bunch of wheat. (laughs) You know what I want you to do with me, son? It's church time. Help me drag a sacrifice into the house of God because if I'm going to bring something that's in proportion to how he's blessed me, The key word there was voluntary, not something pumped up, not something primed up, not something that you need music to jive you up, but something that when you swing through those doors, you say, hey, anybody got any kids in here? I know we're going through hell, but God's still good. And if you're going to make it, baby, it's going to be focusing on the fact that there's still wheat amongst the tears. Ha. <laughs> And you get into the New Testament, Brother Holmes, and you find out that that Feast of Weeks, that Feast of Harvest from the Old Testament was the Feast of Pentecost in the New Testament. And there were several hundred that got together and said, I think I can wait till the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. There was a bunch that said, I'll be here when he pours out the Holy Ghost. I can make it. But the problem is, the vision carried a little longer than they thought it would take to get there. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, there was only 120 wheat still there. The balance of 500 was tears. But do you think that made the victory any less sweet? Suddenly. They said, we've been waiting on this a long time. Suddenly, there came a sound from heaven. As of a rushing mighty wind. If you think at that moment that they were thinking about the 380 people that had walked out, you've got to change your mind. When they started to feel the Holy Ghost, something come over them and they said, Thank you, Jesus, that I'm still here. Thank you, Jesus, that I'm still here. Because it's harvest time. It's harvest time. Has God done anything for anybody in this place tonight? I'm not going to ask you and pump you to praise him because the key to understanding the time is being voluntary with your worship. If he's done anything for you, now's a good time to thank him. It's not just tears in this field, baby. There's some wheat in this field.